are back. 98.1 WQAQ, a brand new season of Throwback Saturday. I'm your host, as always, Peter Howard. That's right. We're going to be back Wednesdays, 2 to 3 p.m. So, yeah, make sure you mark that one down on the calendars. For all the podcast folks at home, that's going to be Thursday mornings. So it's going to be 6.30 a.m. probably back in the mornings. So you can get everything in for the start of the football week on Thursday. So that means, yes, we are going to be back at the end of the show with some Thursday night football predictions. Um, so keep an eye out for that. If you want to wait for that, skip to the end of the episode. Or if you're listening live, just mark down 255, something around then. You'll be hearing my Thursday night football predictions. Um, just a slight format tweak before we get going here. We're still stats focused, still stats based here, but uh, we're going to try to go sport by sport. So if you're a football guy, we're probably going to be starting with football. That's going to be the talk of the town here through the fall, through the winter, even into the spring, depending on how everything shapes up. Then, you know, we'll get on to basketball, baseball. That's what we cover here. So if you're waiting for your favorite sport, just know it'll come around. So without much further ado, here we go. First stat of the day, right? It's always nice to get the first stat out of the way. $37 million. That is how much Aaron Rodgers is is going to be making this year after only playing four snaps. The talk of the town in New York throughout the offseason. Now he's obviously being talked about for much different reasons. Unfortunately, he's being paid, yes, $37 guaranteed million this season. So that's about $9 million per snap played. Pretty good gig for him. You know, obviously, you'd rather be out there playing, but that's how it is. Again, for those of you who do not know, do not follow, maybe uh, decided not to watch Monday Night Football. I don't blame you. It, it happens sometimes. Uh, he tore his Achilles on the fourth snap of the game against the Bills. Bills defender Leonard Floyd sacked him. It looked like a normal sack, but in slow-mo, you could see that calf ripple. That's obviously the snap of the Achilles um, and an MRI confirmed yesterday, Tuesday morning, September the 12th, that it was in fact a tear of the Achilles that will, re- that will require surgery and it will, uh, again, lead to the end of what was supposed to be a real promising season for the Jets. Of course, I mean, Zach Wilson will be taking over. Uh, more on him in a second. Um, but there was a lot of talk about whether that would mean it's the end of Uh, possibly the career of Aaron Rodgers. Keep in mind, he's 39, turns 40 in December, but it appears he is eager to run it back. It seems like he is, uh, it will be a long road to recovery. Obviously, maybe he'll be going back into that darkness chamber, but, uh, you know, Robert Sala talked about it in a press conference uh, today. You know, he'd be surprised if this would be the way that he goes out. Here's the clip right here. Has there been discussions about the future at all? Uh, I, I, I haven't gone that, down that road with him. Um, I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he's if this is the way he's going to go out. But uh, but at the same time, for him, uh, he's got he's working through a whole lot of headspace uh, things that he needs to deal with, and uh, that will be the last thing I talk to him about. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't really see Aaron Rodgers going out this way. With this much promise it'd be one thing if maybe this was like the second year into his jets tenure let's say this happened next year and and in this current season rogers stays healthy they you know maybe make it to the divisional even the conference uh championship i think that really changes the frame here but you know getting rogers he was so eager so motivated 
happy to be in New York to play with his teammates, especially with a young guy like Garrett Wilson, you know, young weapon for him to work with. Um, you could tell it's going to be devastating on him, and I think he is definitely motivated and fueled to get back. Uh, but back to that stat that, that we let off the show with, $37 million. I know it sounds like a big number, and <laughs> let's not act like it's, again, $37 million. Me or you would do unreasonable things for that uh, sum of money. But on an average basis, so we're looking at AAV, it's tied to the 13th highest in the sport. So it's not anything crazy. It's, you know, pretty middle of the pack. I mean, sure, maybe not average. If you average, you know, all the starting quarterbacks and divide it, maybe that's not, um, maybe it's not right in the middle. But still, 13th highest is not too bad. He's tied with New Orleans' own Derek Carr. I think you'd probably take Aaron Rodgers in that scenario. You know, he has four MVPs. Derek Carr does, uh, he does not. Safe to say he doesn't. Uh, here are the ones ahead of him. Number one, Joe Burrow. Of course, he signed the richest contract in the sport just before uh, Thursday. The premiere started between the Chiefs and the Lions last Thursday, six days ago. $55 million a year for him, followed by Justin Herbert, $52.5 million. Lamar Jackson, $52 million. Somehow, at the end of the day, he still got his money. I was dubious when he wasn't uh, signing that, bringing an agent in to help negotiate that deal. But, hey, props to him. He figured it all out somehow. Uh, followed by Jalen Hurts at $51 million, Russell Wilson at $48.52 million. Yikes. Uh, he looked okay on Sunday. He looked okay. Followed by Kyler Murray, $46.1 million. At our number seven, Deshaun Watson, $46 million. Followed by Patrick Mahomes at $45. Josh Allen at $43. And a trio at $40 million, uh, led by the uh, NFC East partners in Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones. And then the LA Rams' own Matthew Stafford. So it's, again, it's not a whale of a contract for Rodgers, um, unless you're out for the entire season and, you know, you're under that contract at that number until 2025 and you're 39. Again, you turn 40 in December like Rodgers will. So in the meantime, like I prefaced, the Jets are turning to Zach Wilson. Wilson, of course, came in for Rodgers after that, for those four plays. And, and he, he, to his credit, I suppose you could say he led the Jets to that overtime win. He had a fantastic touchdown to Garrett Wilson. It was not a fantastic pass. It was a fantastic catch, one that I think we'll remember for a while. Um, and one thing on that, I think Garrett Wilson, he's so much better than Zach Wilson. I think I think we need to go, Zach, we, we need to call him by something else because them both being Wilson is a little weird to me. We're, we'll just call Zach, Zach for now, and Garrett Wilson and Wilson will be Garrett Wilson. Let's try not to get too confused here. Let's get everything straight. Uh, this is a, but yeah, Wilson, he, uh, I just went against my own, uh, went against my own rule there. Zach Wilson threw for 140 yards. He had one pick and yeah, he would have been shut out of the touchdown column had Garrett Wilson not essentially batted the ball from the inside of his body to the outside, then knocked it from that outside hand in. Essentially, he knocked it away from the defender. He turned what was supposed to be. It was supposed to be uh, an uh, outside-of-the-shoulder fade. It went inside. He knocked it out and then corralled it in with the right hand. Look up the highlight. Obviously, we can't show it uh, through the uh, radio airwaves, but fantastic. Zach Wilson was not. He's the former number two overall pick. He went one pick behind Trevor Lawrence. If the Jets had lost a couple more games and weren't somehow a little competitive in that 2020-21 season 
they would have had Trevor Lawrence. Everything would be different. Maybe they wouldn't have been bad enough the following year to get Garrett Wilson. They get Sauce Gardner. You know, maybe this is this certainly changes how things are right now. But with Zach Wilson, they've been in a weird will they, won't they relationship with him. He's been benched. He's been promoted to starter, benched again over the last couple of years with Joe Flacco and Mike White. Uh, Trevor Simeon might have been in there. Might be wrong. It's been super strange. And obviously you bring in Rogers in this scenario to help shore up the position. And, and it's been reported, at least on Monday Night Football, that you bring in Rogers. He is an obvious mentor to Zach Wilson. There's no question that Aaron Rodgers would start in that scenario. But in the meantime, you get Aaron Rodgers in the quarterback room and he will help out Zach Wilson. He will you know, show him how he breaks down film, what he likes to look for. The attitude of being a, an MVP in the locker room and what that means to rally around a group of guys and playing in cold weather games, playing in, in tough divisional games and playoff games and harsh environments on home, at home and on the road like Rodgers has done. He, he did win a Super Bowl, if you can think back that far. It's, I know it's hard to you think of Aaron Rodgers isn't a winner, but he did win the one. But that's all out the window now. Now, the hope is that Rodgers will stay around the team while he's rehabbing, and maybe he'll be on the sideline with an earpiece, you know, talking right to Zach. But un- until I see it, you know, it's, I-, I think we've given up on try to, trying to predict what Aaron Rodgers will do. He is an unpredictable guy. That's, that's why he's on with Pat McAfee. That's why people like hearing what he has to say. You never know what he's going to say next. What, 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 uh, is he going to be a normal guy? Is he going to have some ludicrous take, you know, coming from his little cave of darkness or not? Or, you know, I don't know. But it's, it's going to be the same story as last year for the Jets. Now, they did win five of Zach's first six starts, improbably, but they, they came back to earth after the bye week. It's a season where they had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year, and they still, I believe, finished in the basement of the division. They might have finished out of New England. But what's the best-case scenario with this Jets team now? Now, they did win on Monday night. Let's Let's not forget that. When we're looking at all of this, they won 16 to 13 in overtime, unbelievable punt return touchdown, a little bit of a failure on behalf of the Bills special teams unit, but I'm not going to have that discredit what the Jets did. They kept them in the game, that defense, like Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed made some good plays and they, again, improbably won that game. But again, what's the best case scenario for the rest of the season? Because you could say things played so strangely on that Monday night through the combination of the rain and maybe September 11th had something to do with um, emotions in the room and in the locker room on the field. Obviously, uh, Coach McDermott, Robert Sala has has ties to, uh, to that day. And I'm sure there were nerves and adrenaline there. And it was the first game of the season. There's different nerves, different adrenaline for that. And you're in MetLife. And the minute your starting quarterback goes out, that you had hard knocks cover him all off season, and, and it was, again, the talk of the town, no doubt. No doubt about it. It was Jets, 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 J-E-T-S. But the base, best case scenario here is probably replicating what the 2022 Minnesota Vikings did, which... 
hey, I mean, I think they take. I believe they that team went 13-4. and four. They were, if they weren't undefeated, they were insanely dominant in one-score games, the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. But I, I bet you're thinking, wait, 2022, that was, that was last season. That was last season's Vikings. Like, why can't I... Jefferson was great, right? Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook was okay. You probably think you all the fantasy owners out there trying to think of how that went. And okay, so why why don't I remember? Why don't I remember what happened to that team? Well, if you're a Giants fan, you probably do. The Giants played the Vikings at US Bank Stadium in Minneapolis in the wildcard game. And the Giants beat them. <laughs> that Vikings team 13 and four, like, like as much as you look at maybe point differential or DVOA or, you know, expected points, expected wins, you know, whatever stat you want to pull 13 and four. It's, it's, it's hard to, to fluke 13 and four, 17 game season, but yeah, the giants won. Yes. Those same giants who just lost to the Cowboys 40 to zero on the first Sunday night game of the season on that very same MetLife Stadium field. Yes, those same Giants who are paying Daniel Jones, who, safe to say, didn't look great, <laughs> did not look great in that Sunday night game, they're paying him $40 million. And as we said a little bit ago, that's tied for the 10th highest average salary in the sport. So if their best case scenario is a 13 to 4 team, I'm sure Jets fans would be like, oh yeah, sign us up. I'll take 13 to 4. I don't, I don't care how it ends. 13 to 4. Hang that on our hat for years. Probably put up a banner for it. But I'm just going to go on a limb and say that doesn't happen again. You know, call me crazy. Even if it does, it'll lead to, again, Jets fans, they'll, they'll be prating around that playoff appearance. They'll be laboring for years about what could have been, uh, especially if Rodgers doesn't return to form, if he doesn't return the Jets, the contendership. So all that in mind, keep all that in mind. Where does that leave us right now? I, I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking it's way too early to be doing a retrospective on the Jets team at his only one game into a season, but it's my show. It's my show. It's the first episode. Feeling good. Just in, indulge me for a second here. This Jets roster is a ticking time bomb. Not because of personalities, anything like that. It's all purely financial. The numbers are just not going to add up. The math ain't nothing eventually. When you actually nail the draft, everyone wants to do. Obviously, you don't want to mess up a draft pick here. You want to hit all your picks. The Jets have, for the most part, done that over the last couple of years. They nailed Garrett Wilson. They nailed Sauce Gardner last year. Again, offensive and defensive rookies of the year. It doesn't happen for a reason. It's incredibly hard to do, especially that high. When you have high picks, like the Jets did, I believe, with number four with Sauce, you got to nail it, and they did. They also nailed Quinn and Williams, who they had to pay, but he was dominant again. Part of that pass rush that pressured Josh Allen into getting rid of the ball and throwing the ball right in the hands of Jets defenders. When you nail those guys, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, the time will come that you have to pay them. And when they are at or are on track to be at that very elite level, at those very important positions, we're talking number one receiver, shutdown corner, dominant pass rusher, the payday increases by that much, and that's going to hurt your wallet financially. 
So let's say you want to keep all of them. I I would not blame you if you're a Jets fan. Of course, you want to see Sauce Gardner there. You probably have a jersey. Garrett Wilson, same thing goes for him. Quinn Williams, he's been around a little bit longer for a little bit there. He looked like the only bright spot on what was, you know, a sort of bleak outlook for the Jets. Those are all essential positions to a contending team, too. You need a, a number one receiver, a guy who you're going to have to game plan around defensively. You want a shutdown corner, a guy when a... Garrett Wilson type receiver in or just look at look in the division look at Stephon Diggs look at Tyree Kill even Jalen Waddle to a degree those are guys you're gonna have to shut down and that's why you have a sauce Gardner and a dominant pass rusher when you have Tua Tungavailoa threw for 400 plus yards Mac Jones threw for 300 plus yards and then there's Josh Allen who had not a great game but he's still Josh Allen he'll turn it around you need a dominant pass rusher who can get to that quarterback and disrupt the whole game. You have all three of those things in New York. So you want to keep all those guys, right? Totally fair. Again, not going to say you're in the wrong for wanting all that. Well, then you're you're going to want a number two receiver in case Garrett Wilson gets doubled. That's going to happen. What about a good number two corner in case they don't want to throw towards Sauce Gardner? Totally fair. I get it. I understand. What about another pass rusher in case they double Quinn and Williams? That happens with Aaron Donald all the time. Totally fair. Understand. Agree with you. The point here is that you're going to have to pay all these guys sooner than you realize. And at that point, how are you paying your quarterback? And that is the non-negotiable position we're talking about here, a position you need to nail if you want to win. Again, Aaron Rodgers is not being paid an insane amount. I think we've made that clear. But will 42-year-old Aaron Rodgers be worth that much, that $37 million? Or will he be eating away at your salary cap? The guy who makes sense for the direction and the timetable, salary-wise, everything that we're sort of broken down here so far is Zach Wilson. He's been on your roster. He, I, you would think he knows the system by now. And if they, but again, if they had lost a couple more games that year, they'd have Jeffrey Lawrence right now. They could solve a lot of their problems if they had it. But again, he's on his rookie deal, like Zach Wilson. Problem for another day. But back to this sort of organizational, organizational fiasco they could potentially be in. Again, we all know the salary cap is fake in the NFL, but you know it, it eventually does catch up to you. We've seen the Chiefs. They have had to move on from Tyreek Hill because they had to pay Patrick Mahomes. The Cowboys, they lost Amari Cooper because they overpaid Zeke, regrettably. Luckily, Tony Pollard is now the starting running back in Dallas. I love Tony Pollard, by the way. Give me all the Tony Pollard stock. They also had to pay Dak, and they did so a little bit too late. And, and again, the way quarterback contracts work in the NFL, if you don't get yours in first, there'll be a queue of guys who jump it and unless you're Daniel Jones, you will have to pay them the top amount. You will have to reset the market for every quarterback deal. Just look at this past offseason. Jalen Hurts got paid. Lamar Jackson got paid. Justin Herbert got paid. And Joe Burrow got paid. I believe they got paid in that order. If the Bengals, again, I, I'm not at the negotiating table. I don't know how these things work. But if they had somehow gotten Joe Burrow paid a little bit earlier, they could have saved $4 million on average a year. Not a lot adds up, especially when you have to pay 52 guys and the front office and coaching staff, yada, yada, yada. 
the Eagles, like I said, with Jalen Hurts, they're still talented. They're still loaded. But they took a hit. They lost a lot of starting defenders this past offseason because Jalen Hurts went from that cheap rookie deal. Again, he was, a, I believe, a second second or third round pick. A lot different than, than a number two overall pick in Zach Wilson. They went from that cheap rookie deal to he is now the number four highest QB deal in the league. So this looked like a perfect time for the Jets to spend money. And they brought in a four-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers, who was motivated, happy. He appeared ready to get back to his former form. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers would have been an MVP candidate this season. You know, the, the MVP award, if you want to go back to an episode on last season, one of our first episodes, we talked about how, what the MVP award means in each league and how you can sort of forecast it based off how that uh, award is usually decided. But there is an element of team success in the NFL. And again, I think we maybe not exactly one-to-one a quarterback away, but this Jets roster looks primed that if they made a sizable um, upgrade at quarterback, even league average, let's say Aaron Rodgers was only league average this season, they'd be significantly better. But in the span of four snaps, it can happen that quick in the league. That's all gone. And until next year, at least. Until then, we get games closer to Garrett Wilson's and Sauce Gardner's paydays. And then that clock keeps ticking. Hopefully, those deals will be with the Jets. But we just don't know. Okay, we are going to be back after a sponsor and a song with other week one NFL headlines back here in a minute. Other week one headlines, 98.1 WQAQ. This is throwback Saturday. Other week one headlines. We're going to start with 226 yards. Again, with without trusty target Travis Kelsey, a lot of tease there, until Patrick Mahomes, only two for 226 yards in the Chiefs' opening night loss against the Lions. Super weird, right, for Mahomes? Only one game. Let's not let's not over jump here. Uh, but it would be the lowest yards per game of Patrick Mahomes' career and a steep drop off from his 308.8 yards a game from 2022. Second time he led the league in yards per game. So even if and when Kelsey returns, looks like he may be on track this week. Is this receiving core good enough to make it back to the Super Bowl for Chiefs? Should they be the bell of the ball in the AFC? Well, we'll get to that in a sec, but because I view this question in a couple ways. First, in terms of the receiving core, I do think it's a good good enough core because Mahomes will make it good enough. I think it's simple as that. But th- there's a caveat here. That is if Travis Kelsey is himself. And again, reports are shaping up to look like he could return as soon as this week against jacksonville it was a short week week one uh for the opener so but thursday to sunday that's 10 days it looks like he'll he'll be able to suit up and that'll make lives easier for everyone everyone knows kelsey you have to game plan again he's one of those guys where opposing defenses come to town and they look at the film and they say who do we have to look out for who do we have to actually scheme around and that's travis kelsey most of the time it doesn't work travis kelsey for a reason he's the best tight end Maybe of all time. I'll I'll take Rob Gronkowski. But still, he is one of those guys. But let's go through the depth chart here for the the, uh, 
wide receivers of the Chiefs then. So, Cardiers, Tony, he had about as bad of a game as you can have as a wide receiver. And the Chiefs only lost by one. And that was a uh, real trendy Lions team they played. Now, I don't think anyone would discount the Lions' win. Maybe you could say because they didn't have Kelsey. You know, it wasn't a fair fight. But you're going to Arrowhead on ring night on the opening game this season. It's a tough game to win for anyone. It, teams do lose on opening night. The, the, the Chiefs themselves walked into Foxborough, and they did beat the uh, beat the Patriots a couple years ago. I think that'd be the 2018 season opener, 2019, 17, around that range. Cream Hunt, that was his um, sort of coming out party to uh, the whole league. Uh, kind of didn't go well from there for Cream Hunt. He's without a job right now. Um, but also, with this Chiefs game against the Lions, they didn't have Chris Jones. He will be back on the field this Sunday. He restructured his contract. He said he'd hold out until week eight. I don't know where he pulled that number from unless there was some sort of contract or some sort of uh, salary CBA thing I'm not aware of. I don't know why he picked that. But anyways, it, one game off, and unfortunately the Chiefs couldn't win it. But he will be back, and that that changes the dynamic of their whole team. He's the centerpiece and the leader of that defense, on the D-line even. Elsewhere on that receiving depth chart for the Chiefs, Rasheed Rice looked, he looked solid. He had a touchdown catch. He looked fine. He looked fine in, in his first first career game. He's a rookie, of course. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he looked, he looked fine. He had a couple of big catches. He, he kind of celebrated a little too much for being uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, but, you know, uh, whatever. Um, as did Justin Watson looked okay. Uh, but quiet night out of some of the other guys. Um, I think people expected more out of uh, Sky Moore. Didn't really, didn't really do a lot. Noah Gray was, uh, for some fantasy managers, a trendy pickup if you had Travis Kelsey, the guy who... Has been has been sort of talked highly of by Andy Reid and Chiefs Brass last couple of years, and he's, he's a good blocker, but he's not Travis Kelsey, and expecting him to fill in that role is is impossible. But that that gets into sort of these other threats, these non receiving threats for the Chiefs, and I, I like the running back room. I like I like Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Jerick McKinnon. Between the three of them, and this was discussed. I want to say by uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the Eagles-Patriots game, but you need a backup running back, any team now. Christian McCaffrey has Elijah Mitchell behind him. You need one because the the day of the bell cow back is is pretty much dead. You need a rotation of sorts, especially as running backs are taking more and more of a workload in the passing game. They're going to need a break every now and then, and, and... a lot of the times, you, if you have an Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, even a, even a Jameer Gibbs, you'll have them possibly line out wide sometimes. So maybe you'll want a, a second running back in the backfield. And between the three of them, Pacheco's the most explosive of them. Edwards Alaire, I think, is a really nice change of pace back. He always has more energy and strength than I think defenses can anticipate. And Jarek McKinnon, he is he's your big play guy. He was uh, he had that he had the home run ball a lot last season, kind of to a ridiculous amount. But he's always been solid, and as your third running back, I think you're you're quite happy with that. 
And so, yeah, between the three of them, they have a lot of options posing threats in the passing game, threat defense with that big play potential. But getting getting back back to speed here, the second interpretation of that question comes in, are, are the Chiefs, again, that bell of the ball of the AFC? And I still think they are because everyone else has their flaws with all things considered. I'll take Mahomes, I'll take Andy Reid, and I'll take those two Super Bowl rings they have above all else. Let's just rattle through some of the supposed contenders. Jacksonville, I do think they are a sneaky candidate for Kansas City's biggest rival. They they did play them well at Arrowhead. Now, Patrick Mahomes was kind of playing with one leg, but uh, their offense looks fantastic with Calvin Ridley. You know, talk about having a number one guy. They have him. Evan Engram is, uh, if he, again, if he stays healthy, a nice tight end threat over the middle. They have the, the running back thing going with, um, uh, well, Tank, Tank, Bigsby and uh, Travis Etienne. Uh, Christian Kirk was their breakout guy. Everyone thought they overpaid for him last offseason. Maybe they did, but he had a great year, pretty much absent in week one. Zay Jones, who is a nice uh, red zone target for Trevor Lawrence, had a touchdown in week one. So I, I think Jacksonville needs to be taken seriously. I'll still take Kansas City, though. Cleveland. Yeah, they, they beat Cincinnati in a weird, ugly game, but I'll, I'll take I'll take the Chiefs. Cincinnati, they again they are the de facto rival of the Chiefs in the AFC, and but they're doing their weird thing again, where they uh, they don't care about the beginning of the season. And again, with that de facto rival, I think Joe Burrow would be probably my number two most trusted quarterback in the AFC after Mahomes. But, again, you need to see them start firing. There's There's been a changing of the guard at the safety position. Uh, their, their running back depth after Joe Mixon is virtually non-existent. Samaj Pirine is in Denver. Um, and, like I said, you, you need a rotation. And Mixon isn't the, uh, you know, the staple of health um, in that backfield. So, you know, Cincinnati, obviously keep an eye on them. But the AFC North will be a dogfight. And, you know, can Joe Burrow even stay healthy? I, um, it, it's, it's always a question. Buffalo. Well, <laughs> well, Josh Allen, he threw three picks on Monday night. And they did lose to Zach Wilson. And they only put up 13 points. The, uh, you know, the always trendy, uh, dynamic Buffalo Bills. They're very talented. And they will turn it around. But, um... When they, when they do stuff like that, I'll pass. I think we always, Bill Simmons talked a lot about this. We always look at Buffalo and we always expect that next step. And Josh Allen will make a lot of us look silly when, when he does his Josh Allen thing. But there's just something about him. It's just, it's, it's a lot of hope, but they, they never fully, fully get it all clicking. So I'll, I'll go Kansas City. The LA Chargers. I still don't trust Brandon Staley. I know bringing bringing in Kellen Moore will help that offense and Justin Herbert. I, I like Justin Herbert. He's a cool guy. Love the uniforms. Great hair. Uh, he's on the Subway commercial now with Patrick Mahomes. Isn't that fun? Maybe they're trying to set up that real, obviously the divisional component is there, but that real rivalry between Herbert and Mahomes rather than Burrow and Mahomes. Hmm, interesting. Uh, the Chargers always seem to lose shootouts. They lost a shootout against the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa on Sunday, but I'll, I'll, so I'll pass. Baltimore, <laughs> no, 
No, I won't do it. Lamar, uh, he's quite bad against Houston on Sunday. I, I just can't do it. So let's let's get back to Miami, who we just mentioned, you know, outdueled the Chargers on Sunday. Do we do we have a winner here in the in the Dolphins? They are one of the few teams that can actually out offense big Chiefs. They went all in on the defense with the acquisition of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, granted, there's a lot of asterisks here. The majority lie on the shoulders of Tua Tagovailoa. But again, he threw for 400 yards with great precision. They have two guys who can absolutely blow the cover off the defense with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So I'm intrigued. I, I, they, they gathered a lot of momentum on Sunday. I think Pat McAfee really liked them to take run away with this division now. Um, so if there's a team, uh, they're not, they're, they're not a dark horse, right? That's a, a much overused word and term and phrase. Uh, but I, w- I would keep them in mind, the Miami Dolphins, if you're looking for a, a threat to the Kansas City throne in the AFC. So just to wrap this up, yeah, the Chiefs will be fine. Kelsey will be back. All should be well. So maybe takeaway here is that the Lions are for real, huh? Maybe. Let's rattle through two of these other stats before we take a short break and finish the show off with some baseball and the stat star of the week. So who would have guessed that Mac Jones threw for more yards in week one than Patrick Mahomes? That's right. He threw for 316 yards. You know who else threw for more yards than Patrick Mahomes? Jared Goff, CJ Stroud, Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Love, among others. That's, that's week one. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Mac threw for 316 yards on 54 54 passing attempts in New England's 25 to 20 loss to the Eagles. He showed some real promise, at least to me. He looked confident, unfazed in the pocket. He was accurate over the middle to the sidelines. He liked some touchdown deep balls and crossers at times, but he had three fantastic touchdown throws to Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. He was willing to share the love. He had nine different receivers over the course of the game. I believe there was a stretch where he had seven different receivers over that same stretch of plays. And he looked, in in my eyes at least, as a Patriots fan, he looked like a guy who you spend a first-round pick on, which, which is great. I mean, maybe this offense comes together with Bill O'Brien back in town, a rounded-out group of receivers, a couple years of the pros for Mac to sort of put it all together. So the good news for the Patriots is that now the Jets have gotten significantly easier to face with Zach Wilson at the helm as QB1. And the non-divisional opponents for the Patriots aren't awful. Now, I'm not going to, again, Bill Simmons and just rattle through the schedule in five seconds and tell you what's a win, what's a loss. But they play the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Colts, the Giants, Chargers, Steelers, Chiefs, and Broncos as their non-divisional opponents. It's not the hardest group. And obviously, the the division's tough. But obviously, the Jets, like you said, got easier. So if the Patriots are to be considered a playoff team, they need to win this week against Miami to not drop to own two. They're wearing the red though. So, Hey, maybe the juice is back Sunday night football. Keep an eye out for that. But Hey, Mac, let's see if you can keep it up against the current passing yard leader in the NFL in Tua Tagovailoa. Last NFL stat here to round us out 173 points. That's right. The San Francisco 49ers, they led the NFL in point differential last year, 173. And they finished week one with the second highest margin of victory. They won by 23. That's 30 to 7 on the road against the Steelers. So, should they be the Super Bowl 
favorites. So looking at FanDuel odds, not sponsored. FanDuel, please, please sponsor us. Well, I'd, I'd love to, you know, say your name more with money in my pocket. Uh, they're tied for the second highest odds. This was as of last night with the Eagles at plus 800 to win the Super Bowl behind only the Chiefs at plus 600. I like those odds a lot. Um, I think Seattle will give them some issues in the division. And the Rams look better than I think some people expected, but it's it's still a poor division across the board. The NFC West used to be a real one of the divisions, one of the scarier ones, but they've they've come back down to earth a little bit. Brock Purdy looks good enough for them again. One week, okay, but you know we have to talk about something, and it looks promising. I'm not going to deny what I saw on the field, and he looked great. And they're loaded across every skill position and the entire defense. Again, if they all stay healthy, you had a full offseason of Christian McCaffrey on the team. You know, you had Brandon Ayuk took a leap last year. You have another another year of that. Uh, you know, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. You know, I don't I don't need to tell you all the names. You know who they are. So sign me up for the 49ers. They, I think they've been due for a couple of years here, and I believe in them um, finally. And guess what? They don't have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. No one does. But uh, wouldn't it be hilarious if Jordan Love uh, ended their season? You know, we'll, we'll table that for now, though. So that's all we got for uh, week one NFL headlines. We'll get back to our Thursday Night Football predictions here in a minute and over to baseball. But we have another song and a sponsor, and we'll be back after that. Back with baseball, 90.1 WQAQ throwback Saturday. Host Peter Howarth with a new season. So at the end of our last season, you know, we were in March, April, May, uh, we previewed the MLB season. Me and uh, Ben Upson, former host, please come back, Ben. But uh, we did over-unders for every team in the league. So uh, I, I just want to do a quick update. You know, if you if you want to listen to what I say or, or question my credibility, here's your chance. I'm giving you all my wrong answers on a T. So I said the Orioles... Well, we're just going to go through quickly. Here, here are some of the ones that stand out. I said the Orioles were going to go under their win total, which was the uh, the highest of any uh, division uh, basement dweller, but uh, still a low number. 76 and a half, I went under. They have 91 wins at the moment, so they could win 100. So this was a bad look for me. Uh, so... Yeah, not great. Uh, I said the the. I'll, I'll just go through the whole AL East. You know, important division, best division. The Boston Red Sox. I said would win over seventy eight and a half games. I basically, you're basically questioning if they're going to be a five hundred team or not. Um, currently, they're one game above five hundred. Uh, lost two in a row here, but they're at seventy three and seventy two. Again, we're at like eighteen to twenty games left of of the season. So I, I think as long as they play, really, if they play 500 from here on, they're going to hit that. So uh, that one's going to hit. Southern Rays would be under 89 and a half. Currently, they have 89 wins. So I don't think they're going to lose, again, like 20 in a row. So I, I think I'm I'm wrong there. I said the Blue Jays would win over 91 and a half. Now, this one could happen. Um it is uh they are 80 and 65 so you know there there is a world where they they'd have to play very well um but again i i believed in this team and you know i'm i'm an idiot for that and i had under the yankees at 93 and a half and woohoo i'll be taking my victory lap i feel good about that um but yeah i i had a real real combination of overs and unders obviously you are going to uh 
Let's let's just look at some of the, uh, you know, what they were supposed to be the division leaders, where I went and where they're at now. They AL Central, I went over on the Cleveland Guardians. They had the highest win total of the division in the AL Central at 86 and a half. Currently, they have 69 wins. So I I believe, again, it's it's in theory possible, but uh, I think they'd have to go like 17 or 18 and 0. Taking that one on the chin, that's too bad. I, li- I like that team. The Houston Astros of the AL West, I went under their 95 and a half. They are at 82 and 64. Um, so we could be going right up to the wire here. You know, they've been playing 500 ball over their last 10 games, five and five, losers of two in a row. So it, that one will come down to the wire. We will see how that one is. Uh, so, hey, it, again, like 93 wins is a, is a good season for the Astros, but that's under the win total. So maybe I'll be right. The Atlanta Braves, 95 and a half. I went over 95 and a half, high number. They have 95 wins as of right now. I presume they're playing tonight. And if they do and win, I'm right. Look at that. Victory for me. The St. Louis Cardinals were the, you know, supposed leader of the NL Central at 88 and a half wins. I went over them because they're a good team. Uh, well, it turns out they're not. Uh, 64 and 81. Uh, the world's biggest under. Uh, boy, miss that one. It happens. Uh, and the LA Dodgers, 96 and a half. That was the highest total of any team. I went over it because the, the Dodgers just do what they do. They, they do this every year in and out. Let's not question them. They are 88 and 56. So, again, this is one that uh, if they play about 500 ball down the stretch, they'll they'll hit that. They have played 500 ball over their last 10. They are 5-5. Five and five. Uh, They have just about clinched a playoff berth. I, I don't have their magic number in front of me, but it's it's got to be pretty small. Again, they have a 13-game lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks in the division, the second largest in baseball only with the Atlanta Braves, who have clinched a playoff spot, having a 16-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, just a, a, another fun a couple others I wanted to point out. 58.5 wins for the Nats. I went over. They have 65. Look at that. And then on the other side of that, 68.5 for the Royals. I went over. They are 45 and 101. Uh, that's that's really bad, folks. Uh, so maybe, you know, take my word with a grain of salt, but please still listen to the show. So we're going to get real quickly ending up the show with two things. First, the stat star of the week. The first stat star of the week of the season is going to be going to a guy that we didn't even know how much he was going to play this year. Uh, you know, he just turned 33 in May. He got hurt, uh, uh, not in MLB competition. He's only played half of the season, but as he always does, he keeps pushing past people's expectations and he pushes balls into the stands. And yes, the Braves do clinch the NL East with a win tonight in Philly. Thank you, correspondent Ben Upson. But yes, that's right. Your stats star of the week is none other than Jose Altuve. Last week's American League Player of the Week, he hit 357 with a 400 on base percentage, a nice clean round 1,000 slugging percentage. That's a 1,400 OPS for for you at home doing some some quick math. He had six home runs and nine runs in six games. Uh, it's absolutely absurd what he keeps doing. Um, we'll, we'll do some more. F- there'll be some football stats star of the weeks coming up. It, it wasn't 
uh, you know, I suppose the, the Monday Night Football, uh, you know, the Jets defender whose name I can't think of. He maybe should have been it, but I didn't feel like it. Okay, it's my show. All right, so we are going to end with our Thursday Night Football predictions because it is Wednesday, and if you are listening through the podcast, it will be Thursday morning, meaning Thursday Night Football is tonight. And, you know, we have a, a pretty good game. You know, Thursday f- Night Football is pretty hit or miss with uh, – with with if it's good or not but it is vikings at eagles kenneth gainwell looks like he's not going to play for the eagles so that means rashad penny who is a healthy scratch will probably slot in that backup role maybe even start who knows their eagles are weird behind deandre swift the current line is eagles minus six and a half so i think i'm going to ride the eagles here the vikings you know they they scored a lot of points and they didn't win in week one uh this is primetime Kirk cousins i'm not gonna you know bet in or in theory bet or favor him in prime time you know it's the eagles at home it's their home opener after making the super bowl and losing i'm gonna ride with them six and a half is not a crazy number they win by a touchdown that hits so you know that's what i'm gonna do we'll see if i was right next week again wednesdays 2 to 3 p.m i'll be back here hopefully you will too we'll send you out with some music see you next week